mind and every part of our being that we would praise you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. As we begin this morning, I'd like us to think a little bit about big changes we have gone through in our life. So, maybe one of the first big changes you go through in your life, and mine was a little bit different than a lot of people's because I homeschooled, but one of the big changes you go through in your life when you're young is you go to school for the first time. How many of you remember when you went to school for the first time? Maybe some of you remember it pretty well. Maybe some of you it feels like a long time ago. But you went to school for the So your whole life, maybe, and I, I'm sure everybody's a little different, you've been living with your parents or whatever. You kind of had this stable system. You kind of know what was going on. And suddenly, we're going to send you off somewhere. And imagine just if you were being put on the bus for the first time. Maybe some of you did that. I don't know. You're being sent off to this new place with some teacher that you've maybe met once before, and now you're stuck with them with all these other kids all day. You're like, what a huge change in your life. And you know, maybe a few of you were really excited about that. Sometimes kids are all thrilled to go to school. You know, I know that is the case sometimes. But a lot of times, what happens when we go to school? We are scared to death, right? We're afraid. We do not want to go to school. We're scared. It's something new. I actually was like halfway through sixth grade when I went to school for the first time. So I homeschooled. I was halfway through sixth grade. My mom had gotten sick and tired of me, so she was getting me out of there. And uh, she couldn't wait till the end of the year, so she decided to boot me out right halfway through. And even then, I was a sixth grader. I wasn't a kindergartner. I wasn't small. I was a little bit older. Even then, I was, oh boy, you know, this is scary. This is going to be a big change. I've been doing this homeschool thing a long time. I kind of know how it works. I can have my work done by noon. I know how to fight with mom really well. I've gotten it down to science. I don't know if I really want to change, and that was a challenge. And then you have other big events in your life, like, you know, maybe when you went to college or just post-high school, moving out of your parents' house, you know, moving out of your parents' house, you're like, boy, this is really, really different, and it's really scary. Some people are pretty excited about it, but a lot of us just like, boy, this is really different. This is really different, I mean, especially if you lived in that house a long time. It can be really scary. And then you have other events that come in your life, and you notice sometimes you get harder. They almost get harder, you know, as you get older. You know, you're like, well, you get married for the first time, maybe, and, and that's that's a wild change. Now, maybe for some of you, if, if getting out of high school and getting married were really close together, that all kind of mushes. But for some of us that got married a little bit later, you know, like if Rob and Paul were here, they got married. I mean, Rob and Paul lived separately a very long time. They had gotten really used to being adults totally separate, as had Bethany. Oh, Bethany was in her mid-30s when we got married. So she had been an adult on her own for a very long time. Suddenly having this crazy guy living with her trying to think he needed to rule half of it wasn't, you know, was kind of uh, odd, right? And so you have these big changes in your life. And these can be really scary. And then, and then you jump kind of all the way to the end. You, get, you usually got that one big change left when someone says, well, it's time to move out of your house and you're going to have to go into the nursing home. And that can be a really hard change too. Maybe one of the hardest ones at all. Some of us may have to do that. Some of us may not. But that one is going to be a really tough one when all of us get there. When one day we may have to have to say, I'm going to give up my house and give up my freedom. And I'm going to have to go and live somewhere else because I can't take care of myself anymore. You know, all these steps of change are really difficult. And Israel and the church and what's going on in the early church, they're going through this big change, right? Two weeks ago, we talked about how this group mentality, how there was the Jews, there was the Gentiles, they can be kind of mortal enemies. 
And we're kind of going through this chapter a little bit slowly. It would almost be better. It would take a long time so it doesn't fit super well with scheduling and whatnot. It would really just be better to do this chapter all at one time. It would be, be very long, so we're not doing it that way. But it's going all flows together. But we're kind of continuing through this process, this humongous change that the church is going through. And we're going to see today the change that Peter, he himself, has to deal with this issue of the change. And we're going to talk about some principles and then we're going to talk about how those might apply to us. So in verse 9, it says the next day. So the next day, what had happened before us is a few weeks ago now. We're really blessed to have Israel and the Beitus here last week. So it's a little bit further away. But Cornelius, and so we had Cornelius two weeks ago. And he had sent to have his people go talk to uh, Peter because he had been spoken to by God. And so he had sent them away. And so that's kind of the story we're piggybacking off here. But it says in verse 9, The next day as they were on their journey, so this is the men Cornelius had sent, and approaching the city, Peter, Peter went up to the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. So he goes up to the housetop about noon to pray, and he said, and became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. So I think the real hero in the story might be whoever those people are preparing this food to eat, right? They're the, they're the, I think they might be the real heroes here. But he gets hungry, as we all do. This is probably the mid-morning meal or maybe the, maybe the early afternoon meal. And he decides he's hungry, he wants something to eat, but he falls into some kind of trance. And I saw the heavens opened and something like a great sheet descending. So this is... The drawings and things I've seen this, this is a sheet like, kind of like, you know, like a sheet you would put on your bed. It's like a cloth or something used to sail. It, it, so if you think of a white sheet that you'd put on your bed or a white sail, that's probably kind of the right picture that you might have in your mind. He sees this sheet descending, being let down by its four corners to the earth. So you have this sheet, it's kind of hard to imagine, coming down to the earth and it's being let down by its four corners. Sometimes those corners are being held by birds and some of the pictures we don't really know what it looked like exactly and in it were all kinds of animals reptiles and birds of the air and there came a voice to him rise peter kill and eat and for many of us we know why this is why this is kind of wild right these are all the kinds of foods they are not supposed to be eating so in my very short stint of being a vegan that I'm a tiny <laughs> bit glad is over, you know, you, you kind of get on a diet, right? And, it's, and maybe some of you maybe never done vegan, but you kind of went on a diet, right? And if you do it long enough, you can really talk yourself into being like, and I don't, oh, that stuff, oof, that stuff. I mean, technically you're eating a ton of it not that long ago, but you know, you, you get yourself into where, you know, that's that, oh, bad. You ever talk to someone who's like, I just won't eat at McDonald's, oh. Jeez, it's just so terrible. I mean, oh, that stuff is the worst ever. It's like, I'm pretty sure McDonald's, Burger King, and every other fast food kind of gets their food all from the same place. But whatever. If you're if you're convinced that McDonald's is the one evil in the world, that's fine. But you know how that goes, right? You, oh, that's really terrible. Well, imagine that just like times 10. The Bible in the Old Testament makes really clear you couldn't eat all these types of animals. These were unclean. These are what the other team ate. These are what the bad guys ate, and we were always, I don't know if too good is the right word, but we, we definitely never ate that stuff. 
And Peter would have likely taken pride in the fact that he had been able to stay away. Have you ever been on a diet long enough where you stick with it like a month and you're just like feeling good? Right? Like, yes. I have avoided processed foods for three hours. You know, that's about how long it takes me, you know, to start feeling pride. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. You know, when Peter said no to God here, you know what Peter probably thought? God is like testing me and I am doing the right thing. It is the right thing to know. I mean, he was convinced. He had God himself telling him to do it. He was so convinced that it was wrong. He still said no. Sometimes we say this, if God just told me in person, I would know exactly what to do. Guess what? God's telling him in person, and Peter says, no. He is so sure that it's wrong. And you know, sometimes in our life, there are things that come up, and to everyone else, or most people in the world, so obvious this is something brought, God has brought in our life, a change that has come in our life, that it's time to make. It's time to go to school. It's time to move out of our parents' house. It's time to give up that home we've always lived in. And sometimes we just tell God no. Peter does it here. He tells him no. He is not going to give up this lifelong held separation between Israel and the other nation that he has so faithfully followed. Now, I don't want to get too far into this. This is going to be a long for, uh, a field. But some people say that all this is teaching is that the Jews should accept the Gentiles, but we should still follow the Old Testament food laws. Okay? I disagree. I think this is making it pretty clear that not only are we accepting Gentiles here and that that has changed from the Old Testament to do, but a lot of other things have changed. And I think one of those is that we no longer do follow the Old Testament food laws. So for those of you who enjoy your bacon, you know, feel free to do so. I'm not going to try to hurt your conscience on it anyway. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean did not call, call common. This happened three times. And the thing was taken up at once to heaven. It took three repetitions to, get, to convince Peter. You know, maybe we shouldn't say, I need God to talk to me. Maybe we need to say, I need God to talk to me. And then talk to me again. And then talk to me again. And then maybe he'll be able to convince me. So sometimes in our life, we do need that repetition from God to be convinced. You know, we, we just can't seem to jump on it right away. Maybe it's, maybe it's just, just as clear as day to everyone else. And we just can't be convinced. You know, it's wild what we get ourselves stuck in. We get ourselves stuck in relationships that everyone else would be like, this is just toxic. This is like so bad for your life. This is like, destroying you. Everyone else can know. There might even be a few people that have the guts to tell us. 
but we just don't listen. Sometimes it takes that repetition to be convinced. Sometimes there's that new job offer that's so obvious we should, we should be applying for, we should be taking or whatever, and we just like where we're at. Just, it's good. We're comfortable. We're happy there. Take some time to convince, be convinced. Verse 17, now while Peter was inwardly perplexed, no, this would be just, the cognitive dissonance would be terrible. He'd been doing what God wanted the whole time because he was not eating the, eat the food like he was supposed to, but then now God is telling him to eat the food. This is a struggle, right? Inwardly perplexed. As to what the vision that he had seen might mean, behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate. You know, Peter just didn't understand what was going on. He just didn't get it. He was inwardly perplexed. You know, sometimes when changes come to our life, you know, when we're a kindergarten, it's us, easy for us adults to say, oh, you don't understand, my little cute kindergartner friend. It's time for you to go to school. The kindergartner just doesn't understand. Why do I have to go to school? Because you need to learn algebra, because you're going to use that forever. <laughs> right? It's time to go to school. And sometimes, you know, if you've been in a situation and this change has come up and you're just like, no, no, my life's going fine. I don't, I don't need this change. But so often we don't understand, you know. I sometimes mention the card group you play in, but it's not really my card group at all. You know, Rob's been playing with the same group of guys for like five years or something. Right? Not five years, like the same five guys, because a few of them have moved on or whatever, for like since before Paula, right? Before Paula. So that's a long time. Arlen was one of the guys. Arlen was a car wreck on Friday. Arlen didn't make it. This is a change that I'm sure Rob has no interest in having made in his life. Every time we go to men's cards, Arlen's not going to be there anymore. He's been there for like 30 years. Not that old. This is a change that we don't understand. Sometimes the changes come and, and they're obvious in the rearview mirror. We can look back at kindergarten and say, well, obviously I should have went to school. But sometimes those changes come, we don't want them, we're not ready for them, and we don't understand. Peter didn't understand. But in our case, in our story here, in the, this particular passage of the Bible, God gives him some clarity by sending Cornelius. These men have come. It says in verse 18, and called out to ask whether Simon, who had called Peter, was lodging there. So the men, they come, they ask for Peter. Verse 19, while Peter was pondering the vision, still perplexed, of course, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. But Peter needed a lot of guidance, did he? Rise and go down and accompany them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they said, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who was well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, 
was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to this house, come to his house and to hear what you have to say. This is like kind of the first test for Peter. The Mishnah says, if you know what the Mishnah is, it's kind of the oral, uh, it's a long story, but it's kind of like oral rules on top of the Old Testament that all the Jews would have followed in the first century. The Mishnah predates the first century, so the, the Jews followed the Mishnah, the part of the Torah. The Mishnah says, the dwelling places of Gentiles are unclean. When the Gentile invites you over for dinner, you know what you're supposed to say as a Jew? No. So you read this story, you might think, oh, okay, well, cool, some guy invites you over, you know, he's a centurion, he says he's God-fearing, maybe you should go. He shouldn't go, according to his old way of thinking. So he invited them in to be his guests. So Peter invites them in. The next day he rose and went away with them, and some of the brothers went to Joppa, accompanied him. So he starts the first test. He says, okay, I see these sheets with the people, I'm so, with all the animals. I'm supposed to eat them. This doesn't make sense. God tells me not to reject the things that he has said are clean. Then God tells me to specifically talk to these people. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and take this first step in trying to understand, trying to follow God in this thing that makes no sense to me. And on the following day, they entered Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. When Peter entered, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. But Peter lifted it up saying, Stand up, I too am a man. You know, when we try to understand the changes in our life, the ones that we don't understand, we have to understand, like Peter did, that we're not God. We're not God. In the mind of a kindergartner, and they don't understand why to go to school, and the same are we so much, so much more simple than a kindergartner is compared to us when we compare us to God. We do not understand what God is doing. And so often, you know, sometimes people will say, well, God can't possibly know the future. It's called open theism. God can't possibly know the future. Because if he knew the future, he would never let this happen. It's like the kindergarten that says, kindergarten that says, mom, dad is stupid that I need to go to school. That's us saying, God, it was stupid that you let Arlen die. That was dumb of you to let that happen. If you had any brains at all, you'd have known that we should have kept Arlen around. You know, we have to recognize we're not God. So when Peter came and he came to Cornelius, and Cornelius wanted to treat him like he deserved the worship. Peter knew, no, 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 no. I'm just the follower of God. I just do the Lord's bidding. I'm not God. And as he talked with him, he went and found many persons gathered. And he said to them, so he says to this group, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit any one of another nation. But God has shown me 
that I should not call any person common or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. I asked then why you sent for me. So why did you come? Now God told me to come. He made it clear. He gave me a vision. I should come for you. You know, I, I shouldn't have been coming. Why did you want me to come? And Cornelius said, four days ago, about this hour, I was praying in my house at the ninth hour. And behold, a man stood before me in a bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Now the last point, we'll, we'll review them at the end, but all this change bathed in prayer. And when we don't understand the changes are coming, maybe there's changes that we know we need to make, and we refuse to go to our knees about it. We are refusing to the tap in to the power that we as Christians have that those who are not to have not had the advantage of. You know, Israel said you need to have a praying church, right? One of the signs of a healthy church is a praying church. One of the signs of a healthy Christian is when the difficulty is of a change that you need to decide whether you need to make, that you need to figure out how to deal with because God has put that change in your life. The sign of a healthy Christian is that our response is not something like, God, you're an idiot. What are you doing? The response is prayer. Send therefore to Joppa and ask for Simon, who is called Peter. He's lodging in the house of Simon Tanner by the sea. So this angel told me to go find you. He recounts the story. We, we kind of went through that story last week. So he's kind of repeating it. And I sent for you at once, and you have been kind enough to come. Now, therefore, we are all here in the presence of God to hear all that you have been commanded by the Lord. And next week, we will hear what Peter tells them when he responds to their asking all that he has been commanded by the Lord. But we all want to talk about a few things here. When change comes, number one, we must not fear it. We must not fear change. You know, when we changed our service a few years ago, you know, that was one thing. But, you know, each of us individually in our lives, change comes. It's coming. It's coming for you. And we shouldn't be afraid of it. Are you glad? Are you glad that God changed the program and Gentiles are now on equal, equal footing with Jews? Well, I'm sure glad that change was made, aren't you? Sure glad that change was made. We shouldn't fear it. It's easy to be afraid. You know, when you're, you decide to go to college, there's some kids that don't want to go to college because they're afraid to leave mom and dad. They're 18 years old. They're afraid to leave mom and dad. They want to go to college. Afraid to move on to the next phase of our life. We should not be fearful of change. Not all change is good, but we should not evaluate whether change is good or bad through the lens of fear. I'm going to decide whether this is good or bad because I'm afraid of it. Because guess what's going to happen if you're afraid of it? You're always going to say no. You're never going to change anything. Number two, you know, God won't give up, right? Three times. Three times it took Peter. You know, we're going to probably mess it up sometimes. But aren't you glad that when God brings change in our life, 
at least one of us is going to be doing the right thing all the time and staying consistent. You know, I, I'm just glad there's just like there's just like release of pressure that if I if I just don't get it all right or I miss it or I, I don't quite have it right, I know that God won't give up on me. That God will always be there for me. Number three, and we, we may not understand. We may not understand the change in our life. We may not understand why we got fired. We may not understand why we lose that loved one. We may not understand. But God understands. Before, God's with us. He's there. You know, I went to the hospital to see Arlen and the pastor of Central Christian was there. And we all prayed together. So great. So great to know. And when the tragedies come, even if Pastor Joel doesn't come to visit you, you know that God is there. Number five, prayer is imperative. When that change comes, don't let your first reaction be anything other than prayer to God. Change can be hard, change can be difficult, change can be unasked for, change can be something we don't want. But change can be some of the greatest things that ever happened in our life. You know, Ron was telling me the other day, I stopped by his house to borrow his truck to help someone out. So he was giving me the explanation on how carburetors work. Very interesting. And he talked about how the new cars, they change this, they change that, and now so they just start right up. Push a little button. He goes, I go to my old car, the one car, I got to hold it halfway in and do this and stand on my head and dance, and it starts right up. Yeah, but all the modern cars, the computers all just talk to each other. They usually fire right up. And he was saying, telling me, man, it's great. Man, it's great that I could just sit in my car and I could push that button and it starts. But change can be some of the greatest things that happen in our life. I encourage you that when you have an opportunity to change, you don't fear it. You bring it to God and say, maybe this is going to be something wonderful. Maybe this is going to open doors in my life that I could never understand. That even though I don't get it, this is going to turn into something beautiful. Don't be afraid of change. Bring it to the Lord. It might just turn into the best thing that's ever happened to you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this morning. Lord, as we just come up with individual changes in our life, these things that come, some of them we, we have to decide. Some of them are forced upon us, Lord. I just pray that we would always turn to you, Lord, that we would bring to you in prayer. And Lord, I just thank you and I praise you. Praise you that you are always with us. And Lord, even though we're weak, even though we are going to mess up, even though we're not going to be right all the time. Lord, we just bring ourselves just as we are to you. Lord, we love you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together.